two minutes. Good evening, and welcome to Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP 103.3 FM out of Northampton, Massachusetts. I'm your host, Michael Dow, and I'm joined tonight by uh, my usual antagonist, Sue Timberlake. Hey there. <laughs> and the inimitable Stacey Cooney's pushing the buttons. Hello. And we have a special guest tonight, uh, Pamela Powers, who is the clerk of the city of Northampton, Massachusetts, the fine city in which we are standing. We're actually, we're all sitting right now <laughs> and broadcasting to you something resembling live. Mm -hmm. So um, we love to hear from our listeners. If you have questions or comments, uh, please do get in touch with us and send them to us. You can reach us in a few different ways. On Facebook, we are facebook.com slash civilpoliticsradio. On Twitter, it's at civilpoliticsfm. And our email is civilpoliticsradio at valleyfreeradio.org. We do also have our own special website, which is civilpoliticsradio.com. That's got recordings of previous episodes of the show, supplemental episodes, uh, other good stuff as well. So, yes, uh, we try to check those even during the show if you have questions or comments for us. Uh, I certainly appreciate people keeping me from saying dumb things longer than I absolutely have to. So, <laughs> And Sue can't do it all. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God we have so many smart listeners. <laughs> mm. So, um, uh, uh, is it Pamela? Pam? Pam, Pam is fine. Okay. Yep. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot to check before That's we went okay. on the air. That's okay. So, uh, you're the, the city clerk, and I know city clerks handle elections and things like that, uh, like the one coming up on uh, Guy Fawkes Day, November 5th this year, and obviously there'll be a big one next year. Uh, but what else does a city clerk do? Sorry if I that's it's okay. just such a basic question but yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of things that the that the uh, city clerk is responsible for. We have quite a few um, responsibilities that are defined by state law. Uh, we do all kinds of licenses in the city. We are the official record keeper for all birth, marriage and death certificates. Mm -hmm. That uh, anytime a special or an event happens it, that includes a birth, marriage, or death, we are the ones to uh, initiate that record, the official keeper of all time for that record, and we're the ones that make it uh, available to the public when they come in and request the record. So it's, it's an important part of our job. We are also the gatekeepers for meeting notices where uh, people post... Uh, regular meeting notices for the meetings that happen in city government. So all of those meeting notices get posted with the city clerk. Are those We're, the ones that are subject to open meeting law, or sort of all the all the meeting notices of a city? Or we do post the ones for all of the city uh, boards, committees, and commissions. In addition to that, sometimes we get regional boards that want to have their meetings posted in our community so we take care of those as well those too yeah. yeah so but we are the official we do have the official stamp that says received by the city clerk and if you don't get it in within 48 hours then you're not abiding by the open meeting law 
of requirements. I lived in a town once where um, somehow they stamped, somebody got into the city clerk's office and stamped some letterhead in advance so that they were ready to go. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, well, it's, it's like, and that's, you know, it's it's illegal. And yeah. the point of the 48 hours is so people know the meeting's happening. And I thought, mm. well, that's an interesting, we had a city clerk that that was the end of their not the city clerk, but the person who was doing that in the selectman's office. That was the end of their tenure, because well, it's like because they 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 wouldn't make the deadline on a Friday, and right. they and they were like, well, we'll put it up when we go home. And it's like no, the city clerk gets mm-hmm. to decide, you know, and stamp it. And so the official posting, according to our uh, sort of. And this is going back a few years, too, by the way. Okay. The official posting for the city of Northampton, we've declared with the state, with the secretary of the state, that the official posting is our website. Oh, okay. So we're the ones that make sure that it's in compliance. But in addition to that, the uh, chair of each committee is also responsible to make sure that we have uh, a paper copy in our files and so we have a mechanism for tracking everything yeah. and it's not so and much i'm old so that's before the web a little bit so. oh, okay <laughs> when the official notice was on the board outside the the clerk's office that was the yeah sorry when the bulletin board was a literal bulletin board <laughs> yeah. i'm sure that there are still communities that use that that uh posting outside the town clerks or the town hall as their immediate uh, primary mechanism for posting meeting notices, yeah. so it's still, it's still out there. I think that clerk couldn't believe that somebody did that. Mm. But <laughs> it's like I know we didn't have this. We don't have it in our files. How could mm. you've gotten a timestamp on it? I know there are some of the hill towns that still have the very much the bulletin board in front of mm-hmm. the mm. the tiny town hall, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> Where people can see it even when the town hall's not open because they're not open. Exactly. Yeah. Monday through Friday? So the reality of it is that we're not the police for open meeting law. We we try to help people comply with the law. We tell them when their meeting notices aren't posted in accordance with the law. But really it's up to the chair whether or not they want to take that chance because the open meeting law is really complaint-driven. We're not the enforcers. We have no enforcement policy or I should say, uh, no enforcement ability. You don't put the handcuffs on and take no, them? No, <laughs> we can't do that. No, uh, it's the state that does that. Yeah. So if, if Oh, the AG? Is it the AG? Yes, yeah. the Attorney General's Office. So if someone registers a complaint and it turns out that they were out of compliance, then they're the ones who are on the hook for it, not the city clerk. So, I mean, we do try to work in partnership with those uh, people who are trying to post those meetings, but uh, you know there are times when they're just they forget. Um, but informing you is is the criterion. Like, did we comply or not? And it's it's checking your files is how that's, we tell. That's correct. Yep. Exactly. Yep. I actually have some experience with this because I'm actually on the uh, historical commission in Hadley. Okay. And we'll sometimes have those conversations. Like, well, can we have a meeting then? And it's like. Uh, not really. <laughs> um, and so we've had those conversations about like, well, could we just do this? No, no, you can't just do that. <laughs> <laughs> 
It gets a little tricky around holidays, too, because the 48 hours doesn't include that Monday holiday, and so you have to back up a day, and... We're, we're sort of used to it now, but I try, and I try to warn people if I see that they're, that they have an item on the calendar without an agenda, I'll call them and say, make sure you get your agenda in a day earlier. A little uh, educational. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, we've, it's, it's sort of old hat to us now, so yeah. we're pretty fortunate in that regard. So open meeting law is one thing. Uh, campaign finance, which goes along with elections, is another thing that the city clerk is responsible for. All of our uh, local election candidates are local filers, so they file their campaign finance uh, reports with the city clerk. Oh, really? Uh, okay. And for those of uh, the candidates who haven't turned them in yet, they're due Monday, no later than 5 p.m. <laughs> this Monday? <laughs> this Monday, this the Monday. 28th. Oh, dear. Yeah. No, 5, 5 p.m. on the 28th, right. Okay, <laughs> <Five> people. <laughs> so, Get with it. Yeah, you know, we, we've still got a few out there. Um, but uh, So that's another thing that we also take care of as well. Um, people come in for all kinds of records. We do doing business as uh, records. Those are filed in our office. I was going to ask about like business licenses and, and pet licenses and all kinds of things, right? We do dog licenses. Yes, the new ones are already out for the uh, upcoming year. Surprisingly enough, we, we've already got them. They're in the shape of a bell for the oh, uh, 2020, 2020 dog, uh, dog licensing year. Yep. <laughs> but our dog license year starts on April 1st so people have some time to get prepared yeah I thought I got mine in March yeah yeah, that would be right yeah dogs aren't so good with calendars it makes sense (laughs) (laughs) so uh but just to, just for a second, so campaign financing so if I you know say I'm gonna run for governor like I'd file the papers with you not for governor those would be filed with the state and there's certain responsibilities that though uh, those positions have um, also for positions that are over a certain population some of the city clerk or I'm sorry the um, city councils and the mayoral candidates need to file with the state Uh, our mayor of Northampton files with the state so it's really those local positions because because we're a community of less than 65,000 people. So like school committee. School committee, elector of the Oliver Smith will, um, trustees of Forbes Library, those kinds of positions. The city clerk also files her campaign (laughs) finance with uh, the city clerk's office. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And and so if I were running for state rep, that uh, that would also be with the state. That would be with the state. Okay. Correct. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we are required. It is a requirement uh, that uh, the city clerk notify candidates, and there's specific wording that has to be included uh, that says if you don't comply with campaign finance, and you know you could be subject to a penalty up to twenty five dollars per day, and and so it, the law is very clear on what our responsibilities are, and we t- we try to help people comply with their their portion of of uh, the requirements as well so so actually so um when it comes to uh uh actually conducting elections uh 
you do you pick the polling places or and do you arrange for the volunteers who staff them? I mean, like I've, like the actual logistics of how it's done, you know, and like, oh, we got a whole bunch of ballots. Like, like, do you run the machines that, that count them? Because Northampton, as I recall, I've lived there in a, a few years, but as I recall, it's like you fill out the paper ballot and then it gets run, scanned through mm-hmm. the machine, but the, the paper ballot right. still exists. Right. So we, in the state of Massachusetts, there's only two or three machines, I think, that are actually approved for use uh, for elections. So those are the right. optical scanner type machines. Oh, so there would be a paper ballot. So there, there's yeah. always going to be a paper ballot. Uh, my understanding is that the Secretary of the State, um, William Galvin, has said as long as he is the Secretary of the Commonwealth, there will be no electronic voting. So from what I understand, paper ballots will be a requirement for the very near future, foreseeable I, future. I, I very much agree with him on that point. I so. was going to say, even a, even a broken uh, watch is right twice a day. <laughs> <laughs> now, now. <laughs> watch is running fine, thanks. <laughs> so, and the, fed, the feds are sort of looking at that too, right? Trying to look at some of the different voting machines and making, but it's not a federal, it's a state-driven decision right so there's some states where that's not true definitely a state driven thing uh as far as i know there are only two suppliers that can supply those uh three optical scanners to read ballots Uh, the state also does not allow the equipment to capture the images of people's voting record so, for oh, example, all of the uh, choices that you make on your ballot are really secret. So there, the, the, uh, the scanning is only allowed for the purpose of tabulation. Oh, interesting. Yeah. When you were talking about um, the governor's race and, and mm-hmm. those being in the... But the signature pages, when people get signatures, they come to you if they're Northampton... Do they? So if I was, right. if Mike was running for governor, but he had forty people in Northampton that made the terrible mistake of signing his papers. <laughs> Sorry, we do this all night long. Um, what was, uh, that's a lot of broken watches. <laughs> yeah. So um, and and you saw Mickey Mouse. It would be the city clerk that verifies the signatures, right? Is that correct? Or? When when we get nomination papers, so so the candidate would take the papers out with the state. So they'd register their intent to be or to want to be on a ballot um, with the state. Uh, and then they would get the nomination papers, but the nomination papers are only good for one community. So any nomination papers that are circulated for a candidate will only be for Northampton or for Chicopee or wherever, you know, something. East uh, Hampton Hadley. East Hampton Hadley, <laughs> yes. So, and then those papers would get, uh, once they're completed, would get turned into the city or town clerk Uh, of that community and then the signatures would be certified so that's what our job is once they're certified we give them back to the candidate and then they're required to get them back to the state oh so you don't forward them to the state we do not no we give them back to the back to the candidate and in fact uh the difference so we do the same thing for local elections the uh signature uh the nomination papers get given back to the candidate 
and then they are then required to turn them into the city clerk. So it's the registrar of voters who actually certify the signatures, and then it's the city clerk who takes in those nomination papers and makes it possible for the person to be on the ballot. And the registrar of voters, that's, that's like, um, are there three? Uh, this, my memory is old, but is it somebody who's, like the two parties or three there's like a so, so there's representation or something on that right or right so we have in northampton we have four registrars of voters and there are two registered republicans and two registered democrats the state law requires that each of those or each uh, major party within the community be um, recognized on the board of registrars so and there has to be an equal number so we keep it two and two. Oh, that's interesting so n none of the other parties is are represented on that ever come and go oh that's interesting no because the board is only four and and we we yeah. try to keep it equal between yeah. the two two major political parties yeah interesting and the unenrolled of course are they they're not affiliated with a party any party and i was mm -hmm. thinking um green or for a while we had independent high tech and yep. you know over the years oh, we've had sue, sue you know that political parties are like ice cream there's chocolate and vanilla and that's it <laughs> there's actually about uh 27 oh I think, dear different okay. political parties oh so yeah. you'd have to have 27 registrars if you didn't do the two Pretty much, yeah. yes. I, yeah. I think the importance is that it's the major parties. I mm -hmm. mean, I think at some point it becomes unwieldy mm -hmm. at best. <laughs> but they certify those, and then that goes back to you. In right. The so, you know, obviously the boards of registrar are volunteers who sit on these, um, these boards, and so we have the staff that actually compare the signatures and make sure that the uh, the signature matches the individual who signed papers. And it's the same thing with petitions that we receive. So, you know, those you as well. You review them, yeah. We, yeah, we review those as well. Yep. So, uh, so you're also responsible for keeping the voter rolls updated. Correct. How often do you sort of go through and go like, all right, well, does this person actually still live there? And how do you check? And, you know... Every year, the city clerk's office sends out an annual street list. It usually comes out in the early part of uh, the year, January or February. We're required to get it out no later than February. And the annual street list is the way that we confirm that people still are living in our community. And they don't have to be registered voters, but by answering that annual street listing, it, it informs us that they are still interested in voting in elections when they come around. So if I, <coughs> excuse me, so if I'm, you know, say, uh, careless and get the street listing paper in the mail and don't notice and, you know, put it out and recycle it with the newspapers and thus never send it in, uh, would you you know, deregistered me to vote? Or would it be like, well, you didn't fill it in, but nevertheless, you are still here. And so if I show up to vote, I'm okay to vote. I mean, how does that work? There's, there's, a, there's a stipulation in the law that says that we make a person inactive to vote. There's two portion, different sections of the law. One says after one 
year, and the other says after two years. So with all of the uh, sort of important uh, opportunities for people to vote, um, we like to make sure that the, that people maintain their voter status. So this year we moved to a two-year um, mechanism to sort of uh, make people inactive to vote. Now, making them inactive doesn't mean that they can't vote. It just means that there's an extra step when they go to their polling precinct that requires them to sort of prove that they're still living in the community. So what would that extra step be? Like, I've, I've, you know, somehow forgotten whatever, screwed it up, didn't send you the paperwork. <clears throat> A thing that never happens with me because I'm always Mr., you know, have everything all together and, you know, stuff. Uh, so, uh, you know, and I go, well, I'd like, sure like to vote. And I show mm -hmm. up at the polling place, uh, November 5th of 2019, if you happen to be scoring along at home, folks. Um, and you're like, uh, you never sent back the street listing, dude. What's up with that? You know, so what's the extra step? The extra step is that, well, first of all, their name will not appear on the active voters list. Right, so that's the one they check me in against. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's the active voters list. So then there's a separate list of inactive voters that's maintained by the wardens. Those are the people responsible for all of the activities that happen oh, at, at the, the polls. At the precinct at the or the ward. Yeah. Yep. Um, so you you would go see the warden, and that person would check to verify that you are on the inactive status list. You have to prove your uh, residency either through a piece of mail or your driver's license, um, and then you would be eligible to vote. Mm -hmm. Now, would that be a provisional ballot, or does that just go right in with the regular ballots? If we couldn't find you on either list, but you swear that you made it to the Registry of Motor Vehicles in time, and or you sort of um, uh, registered to vote online, and you swear you did it by the deadline, we will give, then give you a provisional ballot. What happens is that after the fact, we go back and we verify, verify yeah. that, that we were able to prove that you registered to vote before the deadline, and then we count your ballot. So the so a but provisional ballot like that is counted. It's not like, well, we total up all the, the votes, and then, uh, you know, if it's at all close, you know, like... We've got 20 provisional ballots, but Steve's winning by 100 votes, so meh, you count the provisional ballots regardless. Well, well, what happens is that after the election, the Board of Registrars gets together, they review all of the documentation, mm -hmm. either the, the proof that the person did register um, uh, at the RMV or yep. registered online, online. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, they, we, we make a determination. And if that determination shows that they, they in fact, are a registered voter in our community, their vote gets counted. Okay, automatically. It, it's because I've heard that it, some, I've heard sometimes that like maybe in other states, it's like, well, we've got provisional ballots, but we don't even, they don't even look at them until, uh, it, you know, until it's like down the, you know, like, oh, well, you know, someone's ahead by a thousand votes. We've only got 200 provisional ballots, so we're not even going to bother. Okay. I just it's, wanted to be clear about that. Like, right. you count every vote that you can verify. It's true that they don't get looked at the same day of the election. Mm -hmm. I don't want to mislead, you know, right. no, that's, mislead you in that like, way. No, there's an extra step, so that's right. fine. Right. So, yeah. so 
it, with the state elections, people have up. Uh, if you are out of the country and mm -hmm. you vote. You mean with an absentee ballot? With an absentee ballot, yeah. Mm -hmm. it, um, and you send your ballot back via mail. It has to be postmarked by the day of the election, yep. but we can receive it up until 10 days later. So at that 10th day, the Board of Met Registrars meets and we review the provisional ballots as well as any ballots that came in after the close of the polls, and we count everyone. So on so election So the final night, vote number comes after that. Right. So on election, the certified numbers actually do come after that. Mm -hmm. um, on election night, I'm very clear that these are the raw numbers and and uh, not not the final numbers. Now, if you did find Mike's name on the list, and he did prove that he lived there, then he would just be allowed to vote regularly. Is if I was on the inactive voter list, you mean? He wouldn't get a provisional ballot. If he was on the correct. inactive list, yeah. he'd right. just go, it'd just be That's the regular correct. way. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's right. I'd be part of the raw numbers, not the final ones. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, well, that's that's good to know. Uh, and absentee ballots, by the way, uh, for people, again, listening at home, and uh, obviously I apply for those like, I'm going to be in Britain, so I shall vote absentee, as I, I did myself uh, 29 years ago. Um, or, you know, uh, it's like, I just, I can't leave the house. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm bedridden and I can't leave. I can get an absentee ballot for that, right? So there's three reasons. You've mentioned two. You're going to be out of the community uh, and or you're physically unable to go to the polls. And the third is for religious reasons. Those are the reasons. Uh, why it was, uh, it's Passover. Yeah. I can't go vote on Passover. Mm -hmm. Got it. Right. So those are the three reasons that you are allowed to vote absentee. You can either come into the office and vote in the city clerk's office that same day or you can have the ballot sent to you. Now, if the ballot is sent to you, then you're responsible to get it back to us within the stipulated time frame that's allowed. And it has to be postmarked it, well, by, if it, by election day, yeah. So, so that's only if it's out of the country. Oh, really? If it's not out of the country, it has to be back to us by the close of the polls on election day. Okay. So mm -hmm. upside, you know, like, Stacy could drop it off at the uh, town hall for me mm -hmm. uh, uh, as an absentee ballot. And, of course, also it, it becomes less uh, critical uh, to, like, this is something you're, you you do, but when you have early voting, uh, it gets easier to, to handle people who might otherwise have to vote absentee. So early voting is different than absentee, uh -huh. right? So the early voting doesn't require an excuse to vote you just come in and you vote okay. and it's there's, fantastic there's no paperwork <laughs> that's required for uh early voting mm -hmm. you just come in just as if you were going to the polls check in check out cast your ballot and the ballot will be counted on election and now if i'm listed as an active go see the warden but and so you have four extra staff in the office during the early voting period, right, for this? Just we, kidding. We, oh, no, we, ha we have uh, a s completely separate staff? group of people who really? come in. 
and we have it set up just as a polling location. Check and you in, have that through out. the whole early voting period, however long it is? Right. So my understanding is that next year we're going to be doing the 10 days prior to the election will be early voting for the November um, election in mm -hmm. 2020. So you've got to find folks that can do that whole period. Oh, there's a there's yes, and <laughs> and I I have a great group of volunteers who are willing to do that. That so is yes, fantastic because yep. people have a lot of trouble getting volunteers now because uh, you know. And for the presidential primary and the state primary, I think there's a plan for five days for early voting prior to the so election. So next um, September-ish, I guess. That's September fifteenth. Yep, and March third. I was going to say the the presidential primaries. Uh, I believe it's March Super Tuesday, 3rd. March third. Yeah. Yep. But the state primary is September fifteenth. Oh, for people running for statewide office. Yes. Yep. Like Senator Markey, I believe, is up for reelection. Mm -hmm. So okay. <sighs> yep. I really wish uh, that those calendars would be coordinated. You know. <laughs> would make it nice but we're going to have an interesting march election because in addition to the uh presidential primary the I, I, it's my mm -hmm. understanding that the mayor is planning a, a special municipal election for us oh, on here in day. northampton mayor narkowitz here, here okay. in northampton yep okay. mayor oh, narkowitz we'll have to hear more after the break <laughs> We, we, we could indeed do that because it is about halfway through, so it is probably about time that we should take a break. Um, yeah, so we're here with uh, Pam Powers, who's the city clerk for the fine and ancient city of Northampton. <laughs> and uh, you're listening to Civil Politics here on Valley View Radio. This so, Hadley resident would beg to differ about that. Oh, who was here first? Oh, here we go. <laughs> Being on the Historic Society. Is so in other words, you're saying Hadley is ancient-ter. <laughs> yes. Okay, that's fine. Well, we got to play some PSAs, promos, and station IDs uh, to cover the sound while we fight about this. <laughs> we'll try to turn off the mic so you can't hear us. Anyway, but we're going to play some notices, keep the FCC happy, and we'll be back in just a few minutes with more Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Charlie. I fight fires, and I save lives. My name's Renee. I'm a cardiologist. I save lives. My name's Anthony. I'm an EMT. I save lives. You don't have to be a professional to save a life. Firefighters, doctors, and others save lives. You can, too. Don't wait. To learn more about the warning signs and how you can help prevent suicide, visit save.org. In a crisis, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK. Did you know there is a CSA from which you can get locally brewed beer shares? Or that there is a delivery service that can bring produce from local farms to your door every week? Farm to Fork is a radio program dedicated to revealing the history of the food system in the Pioneer Valley and exploring the bounty the valley has to offer. The program tackles the complex issues surrounding food, drink, and every kind of nutrient with their individual production schemes and consumer markets. These topics and more, Tuesdays. At 7 p.m. on Farm to Fork, Valley Free Radio, 103.3 FM, WXOJLP, Northampton. Looking for an international experience but unable to travel? Consider hosting an adult international student studying English. Maybe from the Congo, Iran, Tibet, Saudi Arabia, Spain, Uganda, Tunisia, India, or Iraq? 
We need friendly hosts interested in a true cross-cultural interchange, fluent in English, and living within a 15-minute walk or convenient bus ride to downtown Northampton. Join ILI's nonprofit effort to create language and cultural immersion experiences for our students. A stipend offsets costs. For more details, go to www.ili.edu or email amy at ili.edu. We're the International Language Institute of Massachusetts in downtown Northampton. I never get the flu. My kids don't need more shots. I don't have time. We're all healthy. My asthma's under control. I'm pregnant. I've had the flu. It's not a big deal. My kids are too old the for flu. The media is exaggerated. I can fight it naturally. No matter how you build your excuses, the flu can blow your house down. Keep your foundation strong. Vaccinate. Learn more at flu.gov. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Sure, humans can be a little weird at times, but take it from me, I'm a dog. And a person is about the best thing that can happen to a shelter pet. So if you want to learn how you can be that person, get down to your local pet shelter or visit the shelterpetproject.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Nerd Night NoHo is proud to support Valley Free Radio, where a monthly speaker series featuring experts from the community talking about art, culture, and science. You can find us at noho.nerdnight.com. start to continue. Video game remixes, nerdcore, hip-hop, and chiptunes from across the internet. Tune in every Monday night from 9 to 11 on Valley Fruit Radio, WXOJLP 103.3 FM. And check out facebook.com slash start to continue for links to show notes, random game news, and podcasts of previous episodes. Press start to continue. All under needs to know. For all the best in Americana, check out Roots and More Tuesday morning from 7 to 9. From blues, folk and rock to Cajun, Zydeco, and alternative country, Roots and More brings you emerging artists, new releases, and older favorites. Tune in Tuesday morning from 7 to 9 on Valley Free Radio. And we're back with Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP. 103.3 FM out of Northampton, Massachusetts. I'm Michael Dow. Uh, Stacy Cooney's still pushing the buttons. Sue Timberlake's still <laughs> keeping an eye on me. And uh, Pam Powers, who is the clerk of the city of Northampton, is here uh, telling us how it actually works. The, the neutral referee of all elections, great and small, in Northampton. So. <laughs> right. Before we get back into it, I'm just going to say we, we have a sheet in front of us that has all of the different uh, possibilities that the clerk could be doing. And really, I feel like the, the that town clerk or city clerk is not really... It does not incorporate enough gravitas for and depth Sometimes for they do. how much... <laughs> Is, is going on in mm. this particular, it seems like it's a pretty cornerstone uh, <laughs> position yep. within. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it is. In the olden days, I was told, <laughs> I'll qualify it since we've changed how we do things, but I was told that in small towns that if the Board of Selectmen was incapacitated, 
the next person in line is the city clerk, and it's because they were the elected official, mm -hmm. and they keep all the records, and they keep, so that, you know, and people don't always realize that. They think it's like the treasurer, they assume that it's somebody else, and but that was sort of the way it was constructed in some towns it was just a city clerk i think right or a town mm -hmm. clerk yeah and they really sort of ran the town and kept it kept it honest so it's sort of the impartial but important arbiter well, of they, they kept it simpler in the 17th century it's like oh, <laughs> you're the person who can <laughs> like did. write good and keep paper okay you're clerk we so trust you i think here we're just going <laughs> to hand you a whole bunch of stuff <laughs> take care did. of this <laughs> so you you are elected right i am elected okay so uh uh, assuming you choose to run again, <laughs> when are you up for re-election? In November. November 5th, I'll be on the ballot. Oh, okay. Uh, well, uh, Good to know. I fingers know crossed. <laughs> <laughs> I won't ask you more about that. I don't want it to be awkward. But, but you know. Can we point. ask you if you're unopposed? Do you I know? am unopposed. Oh, well, yes. this, that yep. makes it simpler then. <laughs> I still don't want to jinx it, you know. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah, who wanted to write Somebody put a... Well, right in race in Alaska, and it was amazing. I mean, they had oh, to get. Really? The, Wasn't it Senator Lisa Murkowski? It was, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And but it was amazing because people just couldn't quite believe it. You could. Well, we it. had our own local write-in upset in recent times. Joe, Joe Comerford. Mm -hmm. yes. 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 Yeah. Yeah, and it's very interesting because it's very hard to do, and you know, you have to have the stickers right or whatever you put on I, the ballot, right? It's, I think it, it's pretty late in the game, but I'm sure it's doable. I don't want to encourage anybody to sort of. <laughs> try to defeat me i don't i you know it's just not something um possibly a inappropriate subject to, to pursue yeah, too far since yeah. you actually have you have, you have to arbor game. yeah and, and you prefer not to so um uh, so actually so uh i i do want to get back to asking you about the municipal election you guys are going to have on march 3rd of next year on Super yeah, tuesday it, it will be a special but before uh, <clears throat> excuse me before i do that i do i just want to ask so uh i live in east hampton we're going to be voting on a few changes to the city charter, one of which is to have uh, ranked choice voting in the city and switch the yeah. mayor's term from I two heard. years to four years and so forth. Uh, are there any uh, ballot measures, questions or anything like that uh, on the ballot this year in Northampton? Not in Northampton, not in the November race. It's just strictly a candidate ballot. <clears throat> so no okay. questions, no. And Northampton doesn't use ranked choice voting? We do not. Okay. Um, so, uh, obviously, uh, you're the clerk and you'll, you'll run the elections as instructed by the law. Um, so how would ranked choice voting work? Do you, do you understand how that would, how it would work if you had to do it? We have to be a little careful here. I'm not asking you to tell me ranked right. choice voting good or bad. I'm just like, I, so, with Park, like a couple of weeks ago, we had a little discussion like, wait, is that instant runoff voting? I don't understand. You know, so. So, so. It would eliminate preliminaries, right? So no primaries. Well, they're in, not no, primaries. No, we're no not partisan. We we have nonpartisan races, so we have preliminaries. Oh, like like the city clerk's uh, the, the oh, seventh, not city clerk, the seventh district. Yeah, because yeah, we had remember the three that came in; they were all in I the do. preliminary. So we we actually interviewed the three in uh, uh, Ward Seven. I'm okay. pretty sure I yeah. was awake for all three of those interviews. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but that's why we were calling it preliminary because it's it's nonpartisan right. and it's before you get to the election. All right. So so uh, in that case, if we were using ranked choice voting, well, I would come in and I, I would go like, okay, well, I you know, like it, number one and then number two. And then, you know, if, if my first choice 
didn't get the most votes, we'd I, my vote would go to the, my second choice. So, yeah, so the um, you would rank all the candidates. So if there's 10 candidates running for a position, you would rank all 10 of them. You'd have the option to do that. You're not required to do it. But if you do do it, then if your primary candidate, your first choice, does not make it, uh, doesn't meet the 50% threshold, uh, then your vote would your second choice vote would go to um, somebody else to, to somebody else yes this yep. this might be a touchy question so please feel free because we know you're That's in okay. a position you need to be neutral and all mm -hmm. that the machines that we have in Massachusetts it sounds like there's only two vendors mm -hmm. do you think because Cambridge I think uses rank do you think the vendor would be able to to do it it do, is that a question that's fair to ask? I'm sorry oh, to put course. you on the spot. Yes. So the so I haven't tested the theory, but <laughs> our vendor does tell us that we would be able to purchase software to accommodate ranked choice voting. Essentially, what would be required is that the tabulation uh, there need to be a central tabulation machine set up at some location it would likely be in the city clerk's office that all of the raw data from all of the 14 precinct locations would have to to uh, be brought into at the end of the voting night and then uh, run and the determination would be made after the fact so it wouldn't be as easy as waiting at the polling location and getting the counts, and yeah. Getting the counts that way, right? Hmm. It would have to be. There would have to be the, the. So uh, go later, maybe into the night a little bit. Or? Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Can yeah. I ask you a more basic question? Mm -hmm. Because Northampton isn't particularly working on this right now. Have you been? Have you had as part of your charge had to look into this because it's kind of brewing in the state, or has there been any kind of? you know, training for clerks in the in the Commonwealth because it's in the air. There's a lot of bills that are right now in both the House and the Senate to allow municipalities to do ranked choice voting. Right now we have a charter review committee that's looking at all aspects of our charter. Our charter today says that we follow state law in our municipal elections, so that's what we do. They are looking at... The alternative at, would be interesting. Yes. <laughs> uh, the, the, um, the Charter Review Committee uh, has looked at ranked choice voting for Northampton. They're very much in favor of it. If I don't want to sort of tip their hand in terms of what their determination is going to be, but if they are inclined to to make that recommendation, that will go to the city council to vote on. Hmm. Uh, but right now, uh, Cambridge is the only community, as far as I know, that has ranked choice voting, has used it for over 40 years. Right. Yeah, I can uh, remember waiting for some of those races. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was like, you just can't party for three days. You mm -hmm. just can't waiting for the... No, it wasn't always like that. But And East Hampton is looking to have that on their ballot in yep. November. Yep. To, to modify the city charter accordingly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so we have looked into it. It's whatever the voters want. I, if it gets put to the voters, that would be great to help, you know, to have them determine. 
Um, the alternative would be to have the state legislature, you know, do a special act for something like this, and uh, I, oh, and I don't know. And then a community can pass. sign up or not, kind yep. of thing. Sort mm -hmm. of the local was it local option? I forget what it's called. Right. Something like that, where you can do certain fees or do this or non-criminal disposition dispensations. So, yeah, interesting. So that would that it, would put it back. It's very interesting. Uh, I, 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 there's a lot of hype about it. Uh, I've listened yep. to webinars about it. So the well, clerks are talking about it at the uh, clerk forums and that sort of thing. One of the uh, people who started the show, uh, our, one of our uh, producers who's uh, kind of busy and can't be here, you know, hasn't been here in a while, but uh, Stefan Ward-Wheaton, uh, is a, a big proponent of it, and so it's something we're we're aware of. And I got to admit, it sounds good to me. I'm not really sure. Like every system inevitably has a drawback. I mean, that is that is the nature of things. Any system you set up to handles making some decision or adjudicating some process, you know, this is the nature of human existence. Sooner or later, you're going to have some quirky quirk in the system. Mean that's like. Well, that's how the system resolves the issue, but man, that that result sucks. We don't mm. like that. That's not. It shouldn't happen that way. That seems unfair, but yeah, that's how it is. As long as the rules are stable, so people can plan around them, it's really helpful. I mean, right. that's the hard part is when it, 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 something changes and people have all put their eggs in a basket. No, and a different, I, yeah. I, I very much agree. But it's just you know there are, uh, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm aware that like clearly there must be flaws and drawbacks to ranked choice voting. I just honestly haven't heard anybody explain to me what they are. I don't know. I mean, like, I don't know. Is there anybody you've heard who's like making a, a cogent case for like why ranked choice voting isn't good? Well, I, from my perspective, yeah. the biggest concern that I've heard is the education component of it. Who's going to do it? How is it going to be done so that people feel like when they go into the polling location, they are making an appropriate choice for them. Mm -hmm. And it's a change. Ranked choice voting is a change. And, and sure. some people are not, you know, when they enter in that polling location, if they're not prepared, uh, it's unfortunate, but the uh, people who are working the polls cannot educate the voter. Oh, right, because they have to be totally, really careful. Yeah, It's totally yeah. up to the individual to be prepared when they enter right. into that voting Same, booth. Same, sort of an extension of the logic, like why I can't wear my Jones for Congress <laughs> button inside the polling place. You it's cannot like, do no. that. <laughs> it's yes. 150 feet. It's 150 <laughs> yeah. feet rule. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And that's true even if there's no one named Jones running for Congress. That's true. <laughs> oh, because they would think, should I have seen that on the ballot? Where <laughs> yeah, exactly. Did I get the wrong no, ballot? <laughs> <laughs> I actually I have this gag button I got like in 1992 before the uh, election then and it says we'll be president for food and <laughs> one year I think it was 2000 though just the clerk was the person was like you can't wear that in here and I'm like it's a were you like, in Florida? No, just kidding. <laughs> Two thousand. No, actually, I think I was in Northampton. It was at the senior center, and someone was just like, and I was like, "But it's not." You yeah. know, I took it off just because I'm like, you know what? Well, <laughs> Elections thank you, are thank important. Thank you for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just decided, yeah. 
Was it you? <laughs> My yes. nemesis all this time later. No, it wasn't me. I can yeah, assure you that. That's why we got you on this show, so we could right. Right. I'm dying to know why it's we're... It's Casca of Amontillado time. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm wondering why, what the what the mayor... I, I'm dying to know what the special election would be for. Yes, sorry. Tomorrow. Thank yes. you oh. for remembering. Circle back to that, yes. Right. The special election in March will cover the topic of... Uh, an override for the city. Oh, so right okay. now, department heads have been asked to a a, a budget tax property tax mm-hmm. override. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, uh, the uh, department heads have been asked to forecast their budgets for fiscal year 2021. It's a little early for us, but uh, the mayor needs to have a sense of how much money is going to be required to balance the budget and. Uh, that's an important element. Of I remember it. when he came in, that was one of the first things he did, and he d- did it in such a way that hopefully the city would be good for a couple of years. So yes. we must be coming to the end of that, because that was like eight years, or I forget how many years. It, it was, yes. Yeah. yeah, and he's been in for a couple terms and then a mm-hmm. four-year term or two. Four yeah, it's been over yeah, a year since we had him on. We should ask him back. Yeah. There's a grill <laughs> he's a good on. guest. <laughs> <laughs> grill him on what's the, yeah. But yeah. that's interesting, so there'll be an override vote. So, interesting. Well, uh, that's the plan yeah, right now. Yeah, that would be operating that's, that's budget, not debt exclusion, right? Yeah. Yep. Correct. Yep. Yeah. So, right, and so that's not for a specific project. Like East Hampton, we had a vote because we were building a new middle, middle, middle school, school, so, yes. you know, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's a debt exclusion override. Right. Yeah. Yep. No, it's uh. not the debt exclusion. Yeah. Uh. Yep. Oh, wow. Well, that'll be, that'll be a big topic. <laughs> it will, and... It's something I think that will draw voters, more voters out. I, I anticipate that we'll probably see between 85 and 90% voter turnout. Oh, and yeah, because people. I'm thrilled about that. It's just, it's, it's a busy day, but. It really motivates folks. Yeah. Yeah, I'm always amazed how low the vote can be sometimes, and you're just like. <laughs> it's very disheartening. Or people call me the night before and say, Oh, so who's running in our ward? <laughs> it's like, my God, you don't it's, want my opinion because I'm a Republican. But yeah, it's very interesting. The people that really don't, they just don't tune in sometimes until well, something comes out of the woodwork. And then they're like, oh, my God, what's what's going on? We see very low voter turnout for local elections. And that's unfortunate. Off year elections. Yeah. Yeah. So the lowest that we've had that I can recall is about 12% voter turnout. It was for a special election uh, for an for a city councilor position. So it's, it's, uh, but I think the, as I mentioned earlier, I think that the that the override question will draw more people out. We had another special election same year. Uh, and it turned out that it was a 50% election, which is pretty good for a special oh, municipal election. So, yeah. Depends yeah. on the topic. So It uh, does. And uh, the election, uh, March 3rd of next year, right? Or March Are you talking about the presidential? Oh, yes. The it's the same day as the yeah. presidential. Super yeah. Tuesday. Yes. Yep. So, um, so it'll be us in the South and everybody else in the country. And <laughs> oh, no, there'll be, yeah. I yeah, mean, there's this? a bunch of states voting. Uh, I Super think 14. Yeah. Mm. I, I don't have it in front of me, but I actually did write out the list, and it's something I'll be 
announcing as we get closer because I I actually on the it's very interesting on the little scheduling calendar that nobody else sees because nobody cares but the people on the on the show like I put in things like 100 days to Super Tuesday kind of thing you know <laughs> so like there'll be little little reminders <clears throat> so um, is there anything we haven't talked about well, that you want to talk about uh, so just uh, so next March will there be early voting. Before the, the the presidential primary slash the municipal election, that's a good question. We're Thank you. we're waiting with bated breath to find out. We're about a week away from actually learning whether or not there will be. So uh, right wait, now there's what do you a mean, bill. You have to learn what. <laughs> the, right now there's a bill in both the House and the Senate to in Mass up in Boston. Yes, yeah. to authorize early voting for the presidential primary. It still has to go to the Joint Committee on Elections for a final reading. And if it gets approved through the Joint Committee, then the governor needs to sign it. So, it, so it's is, likely it's going to happen. Is, would this be for all presidential primaries going forward, or is this a special case-by-case -case basis kind uh, it, of thing? Do you know? The, the language that I saw was the presidential primary for 2020. So, yep, it's just the one. Hmm. Uh, my understanding, too, right now there, there is a hope that we'll have early voting for the state, prim state primary in, in September. September, but only one, there's only one bill drafted right now. I can't recall if it's in the House or the Senate, but in any event, still got a ways it's to go still a got bit. a ways to go. Yep. But fortunately, there's a little time to resolve it because it's next September. Well, I understand that it's happened. There are things that have happened in shorter amounts of time. So. Sure, but <laughs> you know, yep. ten months. They 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 got a little time. Yep. <clears throat> so Sue, sorry, we do have a couple of minutes left. So you know, I just want to make sure that there wasn't anything on the table that you wanted to make sure that we talked about, or because we did wander. <laughs> well, that's time fine. flies. Yeah, it's uh, it's, it's amazing. Uh, yeah, we one thing we didn't talk about that is uh, ha, sort of takes up a lot of the clerk's time these uh, these days. There's two things that have changed since I've started working in the city clerk's office. So I started in 2011, right? And so we uh, you weren't the clerk. I wasn't. I was the assistant clerk. Okay. Uh, but sort of you know could see all of the goings on in mm -hmm. in the environment and. So it was basically you did birth, marriage, death records, and posted meetings and all that other stuff. Today, we're seeing a lot of public records requests. Oh, that's uh, interesting. Yeah. So, so today, I, there's a, departments spend a lot of time for a lot of requests for deep information that's contained within our, you know, within the like old minutes or old agendas or records from the 1950s or it, it, it could really you? depends. I mean, it's a, I I have been asked for all of that old minutes, yeah, old records. Uh, people want to see if they're looking for recent records. It's usually, you know, to see the uh, dialogue between. Uh, Email dialogue is what I'm trying to say. Oh, yeah, so it's so like yeah. public uh, FOIA, any, FOIA any, requests. Yeah. Well, the yeah. FOIA, FOIA is for federal, yeah. right? So we have the Massachusetts yeah. Massachusetts Public Record 
um, which is different than the than the FOIA, but it's on the same vein. Yeah. Oh, so it's like I want to see the emails between you and yes. Mayor Narkowitz about Correct. your Super Bowl bet. Oh, so <laughs> the IT well, we folks don't go there. To... <laughs> right? No, but I mean, like, I'm, I'm trying to pick something that's it's absurd. usually <laughs> about city business. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, but interesting. I mean, so that, that kind of thing, like, like, can we see all the emails between city councilors about yes. the new uh, uh, licensing for the new dog park? Something along. I can't believe we have to go because this is just getting interesting. (laughs) Well, you should have asked sooner, Sue. Maybe ask that at the top. (laughs) Well, I didn't know. That's interesting. So you should say, so now, what is the interesting thing we haven't asked you? (laughs) I could do that. I'd forget we just started. It'd be perfect. Just perfect. It would be. Especially on a Friday night. Civil Politics is a member of the Planetside Podcast Network. To learn more, go to planetsidepodcasts.com.